Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have some delightful differences between British English and American English, and a meaty middle about the difference between the words bad and badly. But first, a quick and dirty tip about the phrase meaty middle. German on Facebook doesn't know what I'm talking about when I say one of the segments is a meaty middle, so I'm sure he's not the only one. First, I'm saying meaty middle, meaty like beefy or full of meat. Besides meaning full of meat, meaty can mean full of substance. The segment I call the meaty middle is almost always the longest, most serious segment of the show. The middle part has become something of a misnomer, though, because it's not always the middle anymore. When I came up with the name, the show had three segments, and the meaty middle was always the middle segment. But now sometimes I'll have two segments, so there isn't a middle. Anyway, for those of you who've been wondering or confused, that's the deal with the meaty middle. If something is substantial, you can call it meaty. Next, I want to share with you some of the interesting differences in English I noticed when I visited the UK over the summer. Most of us know about the big differences, such as American spelling color without a U and the British spelling color with a U, but these were differences I didn't know about before I visited. First, I noticed that what I'd call an RV park was called a caravan park in England. Caravan sounds much more romantic to me than RV, which stands for recreational vehicle. A caravan sounds like something merchants would use to deliver spices or nobles would use to travel the countryside, whereas recreational vehicle sounds like a term a government office would have made up to classify the kind of license plate you need. Caravan is the much older word. Dictionaries disagree, but recreational vehicle came into use sometime between the 1940s and the 1970s. I may also feel more affection for the word caravan because I used to play a game called Civilization a lot, and you use a unit called a caravan to establish a trade route, and the unit is represented by people on camels that are carrying bags. I always liked establishing trade routes. And as an aside, I pronounced that word like root, trade route, but some other Americans would pronounce it route, trade route. It turns out that root is currently the only British pronunciation, but both root and route are acceptable in American English. The British used to pronounce it both ways too, but eventually they seemed to have settled on root while Americans remained indecisive. The Harvard Dialect Survey made a map of where people in the U.S. pronounce the word different ways, and it doesn't look especially regional to me. You can find people all over who say root, say route, or even say they use the two pronunciations interchangeably. Here's a difference I saw where the American word made more sense to me, or at least I thought the British version was funny. When we have a road blocked for construction, we call the new route you take a detour. But in London, we came across a blocked sidewalk, and the sign called it a pedestrian diversion. This struck me as hilarious because in my mind, a diversion is something you create to distract people, like in a caper when the criminals do something loud or wacky that causes all the guards to run away from the door of the safe that contains millions of dollars. That's a diversion. 
My phone battery was dead, but if it wasn't, I would have made a video of myself being silly, trying to create a diversion for the other pedestrians. It's not that we don't use diversion to mean rerouting something. And how weird is that? I said rerouting instead of rerouting, even though I say root when the word is alone. Hmm, I don't know. Anyway, I know we also might talk about diverting a river or stream for a construction project, and that's actually quite similar to diverting a stream of pedestrians, but as far as I know, I've never heard diversion used in the U.S. to refer to cars or pedestrians. When we reroute them, we call it a detour. And I still giggle every time I think of a pedestrian diversion. I think of attaching fishing line to a dollar bill and pulling it away as someone tries to pick it up off the sidewalk. A couple of other mundane differences were that what we'd call a parking lot or a garage, the British seem to call a car park. But what we'd call a subway car, the British seem to call a carriage. Again, carriage sounds more lovely than car to me. And I'll leave you with the last one, in which the British version also sounds much nicer. The British alight from a train, whereas Americans get off a train. Whereas we'd say something like, please watch your step when you get off the train, the announcement in Britain is something like, please mind the gap when alighting from the train. To me, alighting sounds like something a butterfly or a ballet dancer would do. It sounds graceful. Whereas getting off the train sounds more like grumpy stomping. (laughs) Well done, Britain. And now, on to the meaty middle. I feel bad, or I feel badly. Which is it? If you're unhappy or sick, you feel bad, not badly. To feel badly would be to stink at feeling things. Rarely does anyone intend to convey that kind of ineptitude. Yet people pair feel with badly all the time. It's not unusual to hear things like this. The babysitter felt badly that the washing machine flooded the basement. Squiggly feels badly about the score of the big game. Aardvark is going to feel badly when no one shows up at the birthday party. In fact, in all these sentences, the subject felt, feels, or will feel not badly, but bad. This is how to write these sentences correctly. The babysitter felt bad that the washing machine flooded the basement. Squiggly feels bad about the score of the big game. Aardvark is going to feel bad when no one shows up at the birthday party. In short, say feel bad, not feels badly. It's understandable that people want to tack on the L-Y, Feel is a verb, after all, and people are often taught that verbs are modified by adverbs. Badly, with its telltale L-Y suffix, is conspicuously an adverb, so feel would seem to cry out for badly. How can bad, an adjective, modify feel, you might wonder? As an adjective, bad can't modify feel. An adjective has one job, to modify a noun. In fact, That's exactly what bad does in the sentence, I feel bad. It modifies the subject, I. In the sentence, I feel bad, bad is what's called a subject complement. The subject, I, and its complement, bad, are grammatically linked, identified with each other like two sides of an equation. What links them, like an equal sign, is the verb feel. 
In other words, feel here is what's called a linking verb. What's so special about linking verbs? They're grammatical pass-throughs. A linking verb, also known as a copula, may connect a modifier like bad to another word like I. So no, feel as a linking verb does not cry out for badly. You might not think of feel as a linking verb. In fact, the verb feel has a chameleon-like nature. It can function as either a linking verb or an action verb. Typically, English students learn to recognize linking verbs by looking for be verbs. Is, am, was, were, are, have been being, and so on. For the excellent reason that be verbs often act as linking verbs. Other verbs sometimes act as linking verbs too, including feel, grow, appear, become, seem, look, prove, remain, smell, sound, taste, turn, stay, and get. Take grow. It's a linking verb in the turnips grow rancid, and it's an action verb in the turnips grow rapidly. Now let's look at feel in a mix of those roles. The bricks feel smooth. Here, feel is a linking verb because smooth describes the bricks. The neighbors feel the earthquake. Here, feel is an action verb because it's what the neighbors are doing. The concierge feels ecstatic. Here, feels is a linking verb because ecstatic describes the concierge. And the horse feels its way along the path. Here, feels is an action verb because it's what the horse is doing. How do you know whether a verb is acting like a linking verb? That, it turns out, is the question behind this post's question of whether to say I feel bad or I feel badly. If you're not sure how to spot a linking verb, here's a quick and dirty tip. Swap in a be verb. If the resulting statement works, which is to say if you're looking at a statement about the subject's state, you have a linking verb on your hands. Don't follow that verb with an adverb, such as badly. Ixnay on the L-Y words. Stick with adjectives. Here are some examples. The turnips grow rancid. Think the turnips are rancid. This works as a statement, however improbable, about the turnips' state. So you know that in this case, grow is a linking verb. Keep the adjective, rancid. How about turnips grow rapidly? Think turnips are rapidly. That statement makes no sense. So you know that in this case, grow is not a linking verb. It's an action verb. Keep the adverb, rapidly. How about I feel bad? Think I am bad. This works not because we're talking about a bad person, but because I am bad is a statement about the subject's state. So you know that in this case, feel is a linking verb. Keep the adjective, bad. And finally, how about I feel badly? Think I am badly. This statement makes no sense. So you know that in this case, feel is not a linking verb. It's an action verb. Keep the adverb badly. If you want to alert people to say your underabundance of nerve endings, your inability to feel. Otherwise, if it's your emotional or physical state you want to convey, 
Use feel as a linking verb. Lose the L-Y. Let the world know with confidence that you feel bad. Do people say feel badly for feel bad, often enough that this phrase has become generally acceptable? Not so far, at least not in print, says grammarian and language enthusiast Brian Garner, who tracks changes in English usage. He says that, quote, most professional writers know this point of usage, unquote. According to his research in modern print sources, feel bad outnumbers feel badly by a 9 to 1 ratio, and felt bad outnumbers felt badly by a 6 to 1 ratio. Gardner places both uses, feel badly for feel bad and felt bad for felt badly, at stage 2 in his five-stage language change index, meaning that this usage has spread to a significant fraction of the language community, but remains unacceptable in standard usage. As a final defense of I feel badly, you might point to the common use of the phrase I feel well to mean I feel healthy. Since well, usually an adverb, is widely accepted after feel, why not badly? Consider these two points. While feel well is widely used, feel good works perfectly well to describe a state of health. If your reason for saying feel well is that feel requires an adverb, you're hypercorrecting. Feel is a linking verb here. Well doesn't modify feel. Well is a complement of the subject I. In this case, well functions as an adjective. Maybe someday feel badly will be as widely acceptable as feel well, but we're not there yet. In summary, learn to spot linking verbs by checking to see if you can swap in a be verb, such as is or am. When in doubt, avoid following linking verbs with adverbs. For example, say I feel bad, not I feel badly. Otherwise, your word-savvy friends will feel unhappily. That segment was written by Marsha Reefer Johnston, author of Word Up, How to Write Powerful Sentences and Paragraphs and Everything You Build from Them. Marsha blogs at writing.rocks. Finally, I have a favor to ask you and news about a sale on one of my books. First, you know how I've been asking you to tell me where you listen and I love hearing your stories? Well, it created a problem, because if you listen to other podcasts, you know that reviews are really important. They're always asking you to write a review at Apple Podcasts and so on. And since you've been telling me your stories, you've kind of stopped writing reviews. Grammar Girl has gotten a lot fewer reviews in the last year than it used to. But I still want to hear your stories, too. So I'm asking that you still tell me where you listen, but instead of posting it on Twitter or Instagram, please include it in a review at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the podcast. That helps new people decide to give the show a try. It probably helps us in the algorithms, and I'll still get to hear and share your stories. Everybody wins. And second, the electronic version of my New York Times bestseller, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing, is on sale right now in the U.S. and, I think, in Canada for only $2.99. I'm not sure whether it's for sale in other countries or not, but it's definitely on sale in the U.S., and that's a great price. That's $2.99 for the ebook of Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. Check your favorite online bookstore. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening.